But those people that are 98% actors are horrible. Everyone hates them. And they're not good actors. And they don't work. They just don't. My name's Lee Foster, and I'm an actor living and working in Chicago. My career is going well, but I know I have a long way to go. I'm determined to become a great actor. If you are too, I hope you'll follow me as I search for the advice and experiences that will help accomplish that goal. This is action. On this episode, acting teacher and author Ron Morosco. I got to know Ron after reading his book, Notes to an Actor. It's a brilliantly simple, easy-to-apply collection of notes on acting. That's it. It has a perfect 5 out of 5 stars on Amazon, and Kirk Douglas said, I think this is the best book on acting I've ever read. Ron Morosco studied acting at the Moscow Art Theater, has a Bachelor of Art from Fordham University, and a Master's of Art and PhD in theater from UCLA. He's currently a professor of theater at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. He continues to act in TV, feature films, and theater, and his list of credits is a mile long. After finishing notes to an actor, I felt the need to thank the man who wrote it, so I found his number and I called him. We ended up talking shop for an hour and a half, and he offered me a little advice on two auditions I had the following day, one for a national commercial, the other for the TV show Empire on Fox. I thanked him and said goodbye, and the next day, I followed his advice, and I booked them both. On this episode, what are the essential skills that one needs to develop and maintain in order to become a good, consistent working actor? You're somebody who's been working in TV for a long, long time. What do you think the essentials are in terms of talent to have in order to be a consistent working actor, something that you can do time and time again? Well, I think the thing that makes a, a, a really good actor um, and also the person that gets the job is if you can look more like in a performance like you are an actual human being going through something, then you are an actor. And what I mean by that is I actually, and this is true of auditions, but it's also true in, in sometimes seeing a, a show or something like that, a play. A lot of times I find like the actors, when they're performing, what they're really doing, and I can kind of pick up on it, is they are presenting what they worked on in rehearsal. And you almost have a sense, ah, they said in rehearsal, kind of, pick it up and make it look like this is happening. Or, or they said, I'm going to try to act this way with her. I'm going to try to get it to be a little bit more exciting here. And I, I can kind of see a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it looks like they're presenting stuff that they worked on. Presenting it well, working hard, caring a lot, maybe a lot of passion. But it always, it more often than not, flunks the keyhole test. And for me, the keyhole test is... Years ago, I went and saw, I lived in Los Angeles, but Uta Hagen was performing um, in a play, and she's an old lady, and I knew I probably, she wouldn't be doing this too often, so I literally, it's one of the, about a handful of times, I flew back just to see this, and my mom lives there, and I actually went with my mom, and we saw Uta Hagen in a play, and my mother afterwards said something to me, you know, my mother doesn't know about acting or anything like that, but she turned to me and she said, you know, when you watch her, you feel like you're just looking through a keyhole at someone. Mm -hmm. And I thought, there it is. That's acting. Which is, if you look at her, if you if you if you looked, you would think if you if you were in the next room and you didn't know it was a theater and you kind of looked through a hole, you'd think, oh, what's the matter with that lady? She's really upset about something. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't say, oops, there's a play going on there. And so, to me. 
um, is the the great actor is the person who can pass the keyhole test, and that means do you look like you're really going through something? If if somebody saw this, would they say, "Oh, that's a good actor doing a scene," or would they say, "Oh, that's a what's wrong with that guy? He he just had a a problem." So that for me is the effect. Now, what is the talent that gets you to do that? Okay, that that's great. Fine. You go, okay, sure, I got the key. Well, what, what, how do how do I get better at doing that? Well, one of the things I think is what happens is the reason you are not able to do that stuff is you get nervous, and so you start to arm yourself with protection. Mm. It It goes back, look, it's the first fucking story in the Bible. Adam and Eve, when they have, eat from the tree of knowledge, they know they're naked, they get nervous, and then they start putting on clothes. And then they get thrown out of paradise. Well, that's a perfect myth for what so many things are in life, which is we get a little nervous about our nakedness, and so we start to cover ourselves up with preparation, actor shtick, forced emotion, um you know, whatever we're doing, uh, self-watching, self-judging, pile it on, pile it on, pile it on, pile it on, put all that clothing on, and it, the end of joy happens. Um, really great acting is there's an element of nakedness about it. Like, I'm going to really show you what I'm doing here. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to show you who I am. You're going to see truth. You're going to see me. And you're not going to see a kind of a a false a false thing. So again you say, okay, the 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 effect is it's looking through a keyhole. The goal is, okay, I want to be what I'm calling somewhat naked. Well what are techniques for getting there? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what are actual very kind of basic techniques for getting there? Well one of the things I always tell people is when you are performing you shouldn't be thinking about anything. You shouldn't be thinking of your preparation. It would be better if you let your mind have nothing in it. I really do believe that. Whatever's going to be left over from rehearsal will be left over from rehearsal. But don't try to make your mind too stiff. And, and let me give you an example of this. When you watch a movie, what are you doing to try to concentrate and get deeply into the story? Are you working uh, like that? No. You're just, no. no. You're just there. And you're kind of going along with whatever's happening. Does that make sense? So you yeah. put yourself in a condition of that, I think. Um, so that's that's the first thing is get all of that preparation and manipulation out of your out of your mind. Keep your mind a little bit looser and a little bit more empty. Mm -hmm. I actually think an empty mind is better than a full mind. Which is why very often an actor, you know, after they've had a drink or, or if they're tired or if they're not really paying attention or if they don't really care, a lot of times that's when the acting gets good. You know what I mean? Many times I've, I've seen this thing happen where an actor goes up on their line in a, in a, a class and it's the first moment that seems believable to me. What do, what do you mean? What does that mean, go up? Mean, on go line? up means to, uh, you, they screw up their line. So they're going along and okay. they're doing a speech and they're talking and they're sounding like this and this is kind of the tone. 
Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. That's what they do. And I think, well, before you said you forgot your line, right? it was actually a moment that looked like, oh, you weren't acting. There was something real going on. And partially it's because they let their mind relax. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They let their mind just go limp mm-hmm. and be open. So I think it's not a great idea to be having all of this preparation there. You know, all of these choices, all of these um, objectives, all this stuff going on. Um, because I actually think it makes a person look a little bit stiff and like they're acting. You know, it's a weird little paradox, but you have to have a little bit of contempt for acting. I know that sounds crazy, but I will tell you, the, the when I go into a class and I say, if I start off a class this way, it says, okay, I need someone to do an imitation of a frog for me. Who'd like to volunteer? The first hand that goes up, that person's an asshole. They're not a good actor. Because no good actor would go, yeah, I'll be the frog. That's just a ham and an idiot. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. You have to have a little bit of contempt and embarrassment about acting. You have to kind of be a little bit ashamed of the acting of it. Because shame about acting is what's going to make you believable. And that's why somebody like a Marlon Brando, who, you know, if you ask people, in some ways the greatest actor, and he certainly changed acting, but there was always this sort of contempt a little bit in there, which is, I'm not going to be Mr. Actor Guy, you got me? I'm just not going to do that. And there's something actually nice about that. Right. Rather than the person that's like, yes, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'll do it. That's usually a, an actor, but not a person. Those are the people who are the most annoying to talk no to kidding. in life. And they never get work. Right. They never get work, those people, because they look like they're actors. They don't look like they're a person. They They look like they love acting. And if you look like you love acting, you're going to get up on stage and you're going to act, and you're going to look like an actor. You're not going to look like whatever the person is that you're supposed to be. So I think that's a big issue. I mean, acting is one of these weird things where you will act well in in direct proportion to your ability to look like you're not doing it. Right. You know, there's a an expression in Latin that says, ars salar artem, and it means art is hiding art. So you're you're a magician. You don't ever want them to see how you're doing it. You don't ever want to call attention to your acting because what you're doing is you're calling attention to the tricks of how it's done. So that's the first thing is to get some of that acting out of there, you know, and just be a person. Just be a person first. If you have to be 51% a human being and then 49% an actor, but those people that are 98% actors are horrible. Everyone hates them. And they're not good actors. And they don't work. They just don't. Because they only look like they're actors and hams. And they don't look like they're a person. You have to trust your personhood. I think, in some ways, I define, personally, I would define greatness. What I mean by somebody who is a great human being is somebody who can be a human being in a time when another person would be not quite be able to be a human being. And that means maybe they're being challenged, maybe they're in danger, 
maybe they're nervous, maybe everyone's staring at them, and a lot of times everyone would just get all nervous and protective, but the great person says no. It's like Oliver, the, 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 great, the, the story of um, uh, Dickens, where one little boy in the middle of this horrible um, uh, orphanage being treated terribly has the balls to say, I want, I'm hungry and I want more. And to me, there's greatness in that, that ability to be, I'm going to be a human being. When other people can't keep their humanity, I'm going to still keep mine. And it's very hard in an audition. You've got people staring at you. Your, your job is on the line. Everything's on the line. Um, they're filming you. They're judging you. And you've got to try to keep your humanness active and right there, right there where you're still able to be reactive to the look in another person's eye, where you're still able to be swept up by the words that you're saying, by the situation that you're in, and by the kind of awkward humanity of being in the room with somebody and feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy to do. And so I think it's the people that can do that. And that's why a lot of times actors are interested in causes and things, because they can't put their humanity aside. I um, One of my dearest friends is, I, I think, one of the great, great actresses now, and her name is Patricia Clarkson. And she works all the time, and she's an incredible actress. Well, I was at a hotel with her having a, 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 a lunch, and there was some fucking hummingbird that got caught in the hotel. Well, that was it. Lunch was over. She was not going to settle until that goddamn hummingbird was safely out. And she got people to climb them up on a ladder and catch the thing. And, and I thought, well, that's what makes her a good actress. Because when another person wouldn't be a human being, I wasn't going to be a human being. I wanted to have lunch. But she was being a human being. Saying, I cannot have this small creature be wounded in front of me. I, 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 I can't. And... And it's the same thing that makes her a good actress, this relentless humanity that they almost can't get rid of it, you know, that mm -hmm. it's always there. They're always used to using it. That's why it bothers me when people get mad at actors for being hysterical sometimes. It's their job to, to feel. Right. You're doing Blanche Dubois eight times a week. So if you have a little bit of a tantrum, that's not the end of the world for me. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like complaining about a football player who's being too aggressive. You know, well, don't right. slam the locker like that. That's not nice. Well, they're a football player. So they have an overplus of energy. They have an overplus of aggression. Well, an actor has an overplus of humanity, and they need to. And that's why sometimes they can be uh, difficult or indulgent or, or whatever. You know, and you've got to give them that room if they're worth it, if they're good. I never mind if an actor is difficult, if they're worth it. But there's always that, that humanity bubbling up. And they're trained themselves to do that. Either it happens automatically, they were born that way, but more often than not, you've got to work at it. You've got to keep reminding yourself that that's what this is about. Did I ever tell you, and, and a lot of times I just think you just have to remind yourself of what the actual thing is. Did I ever talk about the Hamlet story? I don't think so, no. Okay. Well, I was working with somebody, and they were doing 
the graveyard. It was a playing Hamlet. They were doing the graveyard scene in Hamlet, the thing with the skull. The worst possible scene because it's on the cover of all the books and you're holding a skull and whatever. And it just kind of wasn't happening. And I said, well, just do what's there. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, well you, uh, just picture this. Do you know somebody who's been dead for 20 years? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Well, say you're walking by wherever that person's buried, and you find out that that person that's been dead for 20 years has been dug up. And then the person that tells you that's been dug up turns around and hands you that person's actual skull. That's the scene. It's not the cover of the book. That's the scene. He's holding in his hands the head of somebody he knew and loved that has been dug up. It's been in the ground 20 years. That is plenty. You don't have to interpret that. You just have to do and imagine that and think that real, actual human thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's what I try to do with everything. What's the scene about? Okay, I'm I'm a lawyer. All right. And I'm trying to... Uh, uh, let somebody have it. I think you're a criminal. Okay? You're the criminal. I think you're an abuser. I think you abuse women. I, Ron, have four sisters. So I say to myself, either I'm going to crack this guy right now, or he's going to go out and he's going to hurt one of my sisters. And that's what I'm thinking. The humanity of that. I'm not thinking, this will be a good moment. This is a nice scene. What's the thing? What's the objective? Are they paying attention? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to, in that moment think of the human thing that's happening right here. And when that happens, it's always good. Sometimes people will be in a play, like an emotional play, and they've been in a run for a while, and then it's the last night. And all of the emotion of it being the last night, a lot of times last nights of plays are either the worst performance because everyone's pushing too hard to make it special, or it's the best performance because people know that they're leaving and the emotion is so strong. Because the human thing has overridden the actor thing. And so you go, my God, this is somebody I have been with for nine weeks and we've been doing this scene and it's been so great and so strong and I'm never going to do it again and this is one of these weird goodbyes and all of that human stuff takes over and it's so easy to act when that's happening. It's so easy to act when your humanity is flowing. Then it's very easy and everything takes care of itself. So to me that's the talent and some of it is it's look it's deeply connected to life. You know, how, how much do you keep your humanity flowing and try to keep your humanity flowing? And how do you do it? Well, how do you do that? I think, as I've said, I'm sure in this podcast before, the most important word for acting, acting is all shrunk down to one lesson. It would be openness. I have to be open to the world. I have to be open to the other person. I have to be open, open, open. Naked. Openness is nakedness in action. So it's Adam and Eve nakedness in action. So what happens is when you're naked, you're unclothed. When you're open, you don't close off. And it's hard even physically to keep yourself open to somebody. And look, you can be in a play with someone for a long time and go, you know what, I've been doing this scene and I never really think that much about them. 
I'm always thinking about like what I'm doing, what my performance is. I never have smelled them. I just read a novel, actually a beautiful novel called Balm. It's actually by a, a it takes place in Chicago. I thought of you, um, uh, by somebody named Dolan uh, Perkins Valdez, and it was amazing. But so many times, scent was a big deal. And she said, "Oh, he could. She could still smell him in the room." You know, we never use uh, actors. Never use scent. Almost never. While they're acting, they don't. Try it sometimes. You're with somebody and just think, they have a scent. Mm-hmm. That's their scent. And be open to that. Be open to that. Be open to the timbre of their voice. Try to notice something else about their them that you kind of haven't noticed before. Be open. Be open. Be open to the whole room. There's a long, kind of a bit of a long story that I tell in my acting book, but it was so important because... The one, one of the living actresses that I think you can really always see her soul when she acts is Vanessa Redgrave. And she was one other person that I literally traveled 3,000 miles to go see her in a play. It was the only time in a Broadway show I sat front row center. And I kid you not, you can see her soul. You can just look through her to something beyond her. She never guards herself. She's, she's got such a, such a tremendous openness. And years ago, I knew somebody who was uh, a lighting uh, technician. And he said, hey, you know, you always told me you like Vanessa Redgrave. I did a movie with her. And I was like, oh, oh, my God, what's she like? And he said, well, she's got great hearing. And I said, what? And he told me this story, which was really a revelation to me in, in terms of acting. And I, I explained the whole thing in my acting book, but the, the, the shorter version is they were getting ready to do a very emotional scene. And I think she was in the bed. And she said to the director, do me a favor, Ken, before you call action, can I have like 20 seconds of just total quiet and then say action? He was like, sure, of course. So they all get ready. Okay, we're going to give her time, start, and then we're going to say action. 20 seconds. Well, my friend, who was their lighting person, not an acting person at all, he used to um, put on headsets and listen to music while he did all the lighting stuff just to kind of block out the sound so he was able to concentrate better. So he had music on in little teeny, you know, uh, pocket music thing with little earbud kinds of things in his ear. And he just didn't shut it off. So they're getting ready to start. Okay, start. Quiet, everyone. Thank you. Quiet. Quiet. And she takes a few seconds, and then Vanessa Redgrave goes, I'm sorry, is... Is, is, is somebody, is there, I hear music playing. Is someone playing music somewhere? And my friend was like, okay, well, she can't mean me. And he turned his thing off, and she went, oh, great, thank you. And he was like, does she have the world's greatest hearing? And I realized what she did. Before she's ready to act in an emotional scene, she's so open that literally the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest little thing she's going to be sensitive to. She's that wide open. And right. that that's the exact opposite of what I find a lot of actors do. They kind right. of go into themselves. They close off sure. to feel. They don't uh, open up to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you not close off? How do you try to be naked in that room? How do you try to let them see you? And some of it is you just, you, you know, you do certain physical things. You literally don't close off physically. You don't close off 
um, in your body, in your skin. You don't close off in what you look at. You try to keep your senses going, you know. You try to be actively feeling, smelling, sensing the whole thing. And I, I think that you're, you're, you're just trying to be as open as you can physically. And another thing, we can often use our voices as a way to keep people away from us. And what I mean by that is I can say, um, if I say to you, all right, Lee, I just want to say something. I'm a little bit disappointed in you. That is not the same tone as, all right, Lee, listen to me. I'm, I'm very disappointed in you. Okay? The first way I'm using my voice to kind of put you away. The second way, my voice is fitting you where you're at in the human sense. Right, so when you not, walk yeah. in a room, don't be too loud or don't be too quiet. Right. Because that's not being open to them. If I'm too loud, I have put a, uh, I've closed myself off from them using volume. And there are a lot of people walk into an audition and they start off, say, yes, hi, nice to meet you. And they're in this tone. Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Oh, yes. I know. I worked with him. Hello. Hello. Yes, thanks. Uh, I'm going to be doing a, um, a mo- I'm going to be doing Hamlet's monologue. And then they go, mm-hmm. to be or not to be. That, and you go, whoa. What happened to the nice volume you had when you were talking to the people that were right in front of you? Or they do the opposite. They say, hey, nice, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to do a Hamlet's monologue at night. To be or not to be. You go, okay, great. Well, you're closed off there, too. So you can close off by volume, or you can close off by quietness. But in order to really be with the person, open to them, you have to kind of be at the right volume for where they are in relation to you physically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. And we even say this. We say, look, don't talk at me, all right? Just talk to me. Talk to me. And to me means that I'm, I'm, I'm letting you in. I'm letting you see me. And you can, when somebody decides they're going to let you see them, you can tell the change in their volume. It often changes. That will, they'll, they'll be like this as I say, all right, okay, look, here's what I think. And then you go, oh, okay, now you're going to be truthful. Or they're talking like this, they're talking like this, and they're like, you know what, Lee? I just hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, okay, you're being a human being. Right. right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you've you got to watch what you're doing vocally in terms of am I, the volume-wise, connecting to that person and and that's what I mean by a kind of nakedness. Am I inviting them into the privacy of my tone without closing them off by being too private, but without pushing them away by being too loud? Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I'll tell you, you can... I think you'll probably... 20% of your rejections at least will go down if you get your volume right, just your vocal volume, just your voice volume. And you're you're really talking about listening and matching. Yes, you match the, the room. Reader. You match what's right in the room. Now, the right reader. now, I'm talking. I talk too loud when I do this because I'm somewhat talking to you, but I'm also being sort of swept away by ideas. Mm-hmm. So it's different than deeply communicating with you. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm communicating, but I'm communicating a kind of flood of ideas that I've thought about my whole life. So it's too loud. If you said to me, Ron, I just want to tell you something. Um, I'm having a, you know, I'm, I'm having a pretty serious medical problem. I wouldn't be like, well, Lee, tell me about your medical problem. I would be like, okay, totally, totally different tone. Does that make sense? Because I'm meeting you in a human place. Right now, I'm not. I'm kind of lecturing. And, and by lecturing, I always feel that's being swept away by ideas. So I have the, the, <laughs> the volume and the energy of that. But if we were communicating on something that wasn't about acting and it was about a real-life thing, I wouldn't use the same tone. I would, I would get more in right where you are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, I wouldn't be false like these people that get to, oh, Lee. I'm so sorry to hear that because then you know well that's just bullshit. Yeah, you got to be yeah. in. You got to be in the tub with them. Right. You know, that's right. kind of how it feels. Um, what's her name? Uh, Glenn Close. I like the way she defined acting. She said it's mixing molecules, hmm. and that's what it's like. You got to feel like you're in the same tub with them, the same soup, the same hmm. warm spot with them. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. You're sharing the air. I'm sharing the air with you, and if the air between us feels like it's being shared, that's when acting is good. Thank you for listening to Action. If you like this podcast, please rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about me, go to lee-foster.com. That's L-E-I-G-H-F-O-S-T-E-R.com. Click the Notes to an Actor link in the upper right-hand corner to find out more or to purchase Ron Morosco's book. I cannot recommend it enough.